we polled all the men who we had recently messaged or DM'd to ask them if they would date Kylie Jenner. It was research forward. (laughs) Yeah, we were doing like a sociological study, basically because at the time we're recording this, Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner have broken the internet by making out at a Beyonce concert. And it's like a deeply devastating day for a lot of girlies, it seems. (laughs) And we were trying to wrap our heads around, like, why would Timothy Chalamet be dating Kylie Jenner? Outside of the money. We basically hypothesized that all these alt boys we know would probably go for Kylie Jenner because she's just this, like optimization of eroticism like she's optimization of the stereotypical woman she also has been the beauty standard for the last five years that it's like why wouldn't you want the person who has made that the beauty standard also but like constructed the beauty standard like completely fabricated that yes but like she represents that i think she's incredibly desirable probably to a lot of men for those reasons beyond just like looks but also what she symbolizes well and i think a lot of these like alt guys would say you know like oh i like the all natural look oh i prefer girls with less makeup but then like they'd fuck kylie jenner in a second i think we've fooled ourselves into thinking that timothy chalamet is more alt than he is like we've seen those videos of him performing at laguardia we know he's a little hype beast yes he's been in indie films and he looks like he should be much more arty but i don't think that he is i think he is like i don't think that i'm not gonna give him credit and be like wow he's the most artistically minded man or anything but it's like he went to an arts high school he was like a drama nerd he like posts a lot of literature on his stuff this is the bare minimum but i wouldn't necessarily call him a normie either he's not a normie i can see her aligning with his um sensibilities pretty well that's true Well, we just want to say thank you to all of the men for participating. We value you all, and we will be discussing the results in a mini-sode on Patreon. (laughs) Yes, all of you brave souls disclosing whether or not you'd tap that, and many of you would. Many of you would. Many of you were actually just little cuties and went... Sure. Wait, who is she? (laughs) (laughs) When wait, which one is that? Is that the tall one? Or they were like, if she wines and dines me, and that doesn't count. Well, then we had to be like, okay, take money out of the equation, because this is mostly about beauty standards. And really what we're just asking is like, do you think she's hot? Yeah, that's that's what the, the main objective was. And there is a right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode's actually kind of funny, because when we were brainstorming episodes for this season, we were like, what was a major paradigm shift sparked by the internet? And then we both looked at each other and went, Arab Spring. And then immediately went, uh... And now, here we are, covering the most highly requested episode of any other topic by Sister. The James Charles Tati Westbrook beauty guru drama that, for some reason, had the entire internet holding its breath for a little bit there. Yeah, perhaps the antithesis of the Arab Spring, um, subject-wise... But the people want what the people want. We obviously think that the Arab Spring is potentially the most important paradigm shift that's happened on the internet to this date. But one, it would be a little bit jarring and pretty tone deaf to jump from Kim K to Arab Spring within a single season. And we just think that that topic obviously deserves a lot of attention. And two... The Arab Spring is like so, so, so far reaching that we don't think we could ever cover it properly within a single hour long episode without leaving out a ton of really crucial information. So with that being said, time to give way too much attention to a topic that unfortunately was indeed a major paradigm shift on the internet, which I think says a lot about who we are as a culture. I'm Maya. And I'm Hannah. And this is Rehash, a podcast about the social media phenomenons that strike a nerve in our culture only to be quickly forgotten, but we think are due for a revisiting. This season is about paradigm shifts, moments that changed the way we do things for better or for worse. If you like our show and you want to hear more from us, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rehashpodcast, where we have bonus episodes, weekly minisodes, and early access to our regular programming. If you don't want to join the Patreon, feel free to rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, because that helps us out a lot. 
tell everyone the story of how Bi Sister came into your life. There have been multiple occasions where I've, before we lived together, where I've gone to Maya's house and she's sat me down and gone, you need to watch this, I'm gonna make dinner. Um, and this was one of those occasions. We were at her first Toronto apartment and it was like a studio apartment. So she was in the kitchen cooking. I was like sitting on her bed or the couch or something. And she put me in front of the laptop and was like, you need to watch these videos between James Charles and this beauty influencer lady because we need to discuss. And then she was cooking and I did that and I watched these incredibly long videos context free and then i'm sure we gabbed about it for the rest of the night yeah i don't remember the gab fest or what we said about it but i'm sure it was invigorating i mean because here we are now and now this is gab 2.0 oh welcome to gab (laughs) 2.0 so there are four main players in this story there's james charles who if you're living in a cave is a super successful beauty guru who got famous back in 2016 for tweeting a picture of his senior high school portrait that went viral. And then the next year, he became the first male ambassador for CoverGirl. Do you remember that when it was happening? Um, I do remember it. I remember it being like the kind of thing you would post on Facebook, like, CoverGirl has first male ambassador. And I was like, who's this boy? Great for CoverGirl. <laughs> Easy breezy beautiful. Easy beautiful. Easy, beautiful. At the time that this all unfolded, James had around 10 million subscribers on YouTube. Wow. Today, he has around 23 million. There are 23 million people on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) James is quite fast talking and like very bubbly. And he's been the subject of a lot of roasting on the internet. There's videos of him singing acapella to a crowd that kind of made their way around social media. Have you seen any of that? I feel like it's something I would have seen, but I'm not recalling it. Oh, I love it. It just reminds me when you're so young and unself-aware about yourself, you know what I mean? Or when you're just too confident, too young, you know? And people are like, you you don't succeed at things before you've hit the age of 25. You'll have a very inflated sense of self. Sense of self. I mean, it just reminds me of when I was a kid and I'd be like, mom, mom, look at this that I'm doing. And you like kind of do like a weird jerky somersault handstand. And she's like, wow, that's kind of what it felt like. (laughs) He's been made fun of for the assless chaps he wore to Coachella and like other kind of extravagant outfits. And also for a photo of him where his like, extremely extremely too white makeup makes him look like callback miss spider (laughs) oh he's also not new to controversy 2017 he tweeted this very off-color joke before getting on a plane to south africa he tweeted quote i can't believe we're going to africa today omg what if we get ebola quote james we're fine we could have got it at chipotle last year which he ended up having to apologize for due to the outrage and almost got him dropped by cover girl He has a clothing line that he started in 2018 called Sister's Apparel. Sister is the name that he gave to his audience, and he usually starts his videos by going, Hi, sisters. What's ours gonna be? I refuse to have a fan base name. Oh, I think I had a really funny idea for one that I've lost. My favorite is Lost Cultures, as they call their listeners readers. Oh, that's funny, yeah. Yeah, it could be funny. We could just call them listeners. That's funny. That's not... Listeners TM. That's not specific to us. Yeah, that's why it's funny. Uh. How is readers specific to Lost Culturistas, huh? Because it's their joke. (sighs) (laughs) He's also done a lot of brand collaborations with the makeup company Morphe Cosmetics, who are very popular in the beauty guru community. And he's had a ton of really famous celebrities on his channel. He'll like kind of chat with them and do their makeup and whatever. It's fun. At the time of all this, James was 19 years old. Then there's Tati Westbrook. Tati is also a beauty guru who started her YouTube channel back in 2010 and is old. largely considered uh, old and is largely considered the mommy of the beauty community like James literally called her and her husband mom and dad which ew at the moment she has around 8 million subscribers on YouTube and at the time she was yielding around a million views per video how would you describe Tati's overall vibe Hannah kind of sedated there's not like energy i mean at least in that video um i don't know maybe she- If she's like that in all of her videos, I'm a little surprised that she's so popular, but she's not, like, jumping off the screen. I mean, James Charles, for all of his issues, at least has, like, a 
clear kind of personality. I guess that is, and we'll talk about this a bit later, but kind of a testament to the evolution of the beauty guru. Because, you know, when she started back in 2010, like, you haven't consumed admittedly like a lot of beauty content on youtube no almost none like i consumed a lot of it back when i was in middle school and the person i watched a lot was michelle fawn who kind of dominated the scene at that point and michelle fawn's videos were very like just very laid back and very almost like therapeutic like mm. asmr like not intentionally but she just had this very calm presence it was all about like the makeup like that was the thing you were literally watching a to get a tutorial right yeah and things would kind of change later but that's the space that tati came up in okay okay but yeah, before this incident, Tati had a very like clean and respectable reputation online. She and James also had a really close relationship. She served as a bit of a mentor figure to him in the early years, uh, since he was kind of on his own in LA without his parents or little brother, because they were living back in New York. How old was he when he went to LA? I think 17. No, bad. Or like 17 or 18. Crazy. So she was kind of helping him navigate fame and like helping him boost his videos and products and whatnot. And like I said, he called her mom, which again... But they would frequently appear in each other's videos, and during the launch of her vitamin supplement line, Halo Beauty, in 2018, she did this really heartfelt shout-out to him in her speech. At the time of all of this, Tati was 37. I thought she was 30. She's looking great. I mean, 37's not old. Are we doing, are we pulling that young people thing? Where no, like, 37 so isn't old. Age. It's more just... It's already, like, a 30-year-old hanging out with, what, an 18-year-old? But 37? Like, what do you have in common with someone 20 years younger than you? Mommy! I I Mommy son! I guess so. There's Jeffree Star, yet another beauty guru and ex-musician who's been making content on the internet since the days of MySpace. Like, Jeffree Star was a musician? Yeah. He had a he had a music career that was like kind of popular underground or like in internet spaces. Mm. Jeffrey has almost 16 million subscribers on YouTube at the moment, and he's been very well known on the internet more or less since he started. Jeffrey is also a bit of a scandal demon. Yeah, I despite not knowing about YouTube beauty world and being quite removed from that i'm very aware of who he is i couldn't like name you all of his controversies i just know he's a controversial figure oh well i'm about to name some he's been kind of notorious for being super vicious to other public figures online and just like all around having a pretty rancid vibe (laughs) he had this lipstick line back in 2009 called lipstick nazi which used uh, swastikas on their products. Oh my god. He has a history of racist behavior. Like, there's footage of him yelling the N-word at a black woman on the street. There's footage of him joking in the satirical video about how he wanted to throw battery acid on a black woman to make her skin lighter. Uh, he also allegedly called Jackie Ina, who's a also very prominent black beauty guru, a gorilla. He has a whole bunch of sexual assault allegations against him, which he allegedly paid huge money to cover up. And one of those instances was proven to be true. Oh my god. There's literally so, so much more. But despite all of this being very public information, he's retained a very loyal fan base for the most part. Jeffrey, James, and Tati all know each other. You could say maybe they were like friends. And they feature in each other's videos from time to time. During this drama, Jeffrey is 33. Okay, it's interesting to think about this kind of classic beauty youtuber person like tati is who's very subdued collabing with chaotic jeffrey star why you would want your brands to overlap in any way is beyond me i guess popularity i think again this is something we'll get into but i I do think yeah it's it's numbers those energies that's like i don't know that's like someone from hot topic appearing in one of those christian girl autumn photos in the background (laughs) you're like what are you doing here (laughs) Just lurking behind one of the colorful trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. (laughs) I mean, don't love it, but... in the pumpkin patch. (laughs) Wearing a jack-o'-lantern on their (laughs) And then lastly, there's Shane Dawson. Hannah, you were never big on Shane Dawson, right? It's one of those things where I'm like, did I, like, just cut out of consciousness for three years? Because he was so big, apparently, and... I don't know what I was doing, but I don't... Yeah, I she missed him. She blacked the fuck out. I missed him. Mm-hmm. I missed the scene that's not related to Shane Dawson, but I also just missed that people were emo. Like, I don't know where I went. <laughs> I, just, I, I feel like... You were too busy like, starring in Zeusical the Musical. Zeusical the Musical. Sorry. Yeah. Zeusical? Yeah, I was something else. But I'm aware he's a controversial person. People really hate him, but they used to really love him, and he was big on YouTube when we were, like, younger. Exactly. Sometimes my nieces show me these videos, like these TikToks of these creators, and I'm like, how the f- 
fuck do you watch this? Like, this is unbearable. And then I remember that I used to watch Shane Dawson when I was their age. Shane has been a major YouTuber since 2008. Back then, he was mainly making, like, mean-spirited, shock humor, like, mad TV-esque videos where he played characters embodying all these different offensive stereotypes. Right. I think the most famous one was Shanene, who's supposed to be a stereotype of a black woman. I will say that this was definitely the prevailing humor around this time. It was a time where, like, the funniest thing you could be was a white man pretending to be a black woman. That was what it was like at the time. Like, being funny meant being as offensive as you could possibly be. But when you're making a digital footprint like he did, obviously this would come back to bite you once the times change. Shane had a bit of a renaissance around 2018. When he was 30, he started uploading documentary-style videos about different YouTubers to his channel. Have you seen any of these? Only vaguely have I heard of the fact that he made documentaries about people, but I didn't realize this. So this was his comeback? Yes. This was kind of his comeback where people were starting to kind of talk about him in the zeitgeist he, he entered the zeitgeist again okay okay um i i'm not familiar with the contents of any of them just that i know he made documentary things i'm reticent to say documentary <laughs> um i say esque because like i would say these videos are less documentaries than they are like strange speculative <laughs> character studies about okay. people who probably don't deserve an entire series dedicated to them one of the series is about jake paul one of them is about tana mojo and another is about You guessed it, Jeffree Star. (laughs) Right, okay, okay. But yeah, these videos were, like, very fetishistic over, like, the extreme wealth of these figures. Like, a lot of it is Shane just kind of walking around their mansions with his mouth hanging open and, like, rambling on about how amazing their stuff is and how he wishes he could have had this and, like, how he wishes he could have it. He's, like, a multimillionaire. Yeah, what? Very strange. Wait, also, sorry, this is such a side note. Mm. Was Tana Mojo married to Logan Paul or something? Tana Mojo had a wedding to Jake Paul, yes. Were they married? Yeah, they, like, got married. I don't know if they're still married, but that was a whole thing, like, publicity stunt, yeah. I doubt they're still married. They might be. I haven't heard about a divorce, so... Okay. We'll see. Anyways, just a side note. These videos seem to be sort of redemption projects for all these figures. Like, Shane was very loud about how he was an empath, and I think that really colored how he approached these people, whether or not they deserved it. He also did this conspiracy series, which I never watched. Anyways, what you need to know is that this was a time where Shane Dawson was largely understood as, like, a beloved, kind-hearted figure. Of course, this would all change. No, empaths are real. (laughs) What if we called our listeners empaths? Oh, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, empaths. Hey, empaths. Well, we have Patreon tiers. One of the tiers is called the Chronically Online, and the other is called Grass Touchers, and I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, but that's not one word. Anyways, we'll workshop it. It should be acknowledged that Bi Sister is also referred to as Dramageddon 2. Wait, what was Dramageddon 1? So, it's the second string of major feuds and controversies that unfolded in the beauty community during the 2010s. Oh. To answer your question, (laughs) Dramageddon 1 was, again, involving Jeffree Star. And other beauty gurus, Laura Lee, Gabriel Zamora, Manny MUA, and Nikita Dragon. Basically, these people formed like a bit of a clique on YouTube for most of the 2010s. But in 2017, Jeffrey tweeted that the beauty community had, quote, become such an ugly place full of evil people. And then the others started to allude that the group had kind of had a bit of a falling out. Mm. This is when Gabriel Zamora subtweeted about Jeffrey saying, quote, imagine standing a racist. I could never. Which then led to old racist tweets from Laura, Gabriel, and Nikita surfacing, which then led to a string of apology videos from these people called shit like My Truth and My Reality Check. Oh, is that where this comes from? The meme of, like, speaking my truth? Yeah, essentially. Like, uh, there had been YouTube apology videos before this, obviously, but Mm -hmm. this was when they started to really irritate people. You're, like, obviously familiar with the YouTube apology video, I just feel like it's become such a thing on the platform that, like, you're saying it's, like, now a meme. Well, it's, like, no tap apology. Exactly. On Instagram. It's, it's just the, the performance of the apology. Exactly. I was going to say, like, why do you think audiences are so averse to these videos? I think, and we might have talked about this on another episode, but it's just the idea that there's no right way to apologize that's going to appease all the masses. But also, when you know an apology is obligatory or just, like, something they have to do, then you obviously feel suspicious of it. And then 
on YouTube especially, like, that's an apology video that's going to get a ton of views and you are going to profit off of, too. Like, it's just so insincere. It's like, These people have all shown themselves to be relatively fake or two-faced or whatever that the sincerity they might project in an apology video is like well yeah like you're saying it's the performance in all these videos they're wearing these like dowdy really dull colored sweaters and they don't have makeup on and it's like yeah seeing how kind of premeditated it is like they had to think out a title they had to think out a description they had to sit there and let the video upload like it's just too thought out which i think really rubs audiences the wrong way so Dramageddon 1 kind of shook the foundations of the beauty community a bit, which before this was seen to be kind of innocuous. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are just doing makeup on camera. It should not be that deep. This is also when Jeffree Star's character started coming into question a bit more. But the internet is fickle, and shit happens, like, so often on there that we very quickly forget and move on. And so by the time the 2019 came around, this was basically ancient history. <laughs> Now we arrive at April 22nd, 2019. Okay, to the date. James posts a sponsored story on Instagram for Sugar Bear Hair, basically saying that they saved his life at Coachella and telling people to go buy their stuff. I just love it that it's like, you saved my life. And he's talking about a very specific situation, whereas like Sugar Bear Hair is the most useless product one could possibly imagine yeah so basically they're a company that sells gummy vitamins for your hair and (laughs) they're a competitor of halo beauty which also sells hair vitamins i think it's a good time to pause here and have a little chat about beauty vitamins i know you have a lot of thoughts about the beauty and wellness industries so i just want to read you some of what halo offers on their site oh god these are the names of their different vitamin packs there's the kiwi seed booster There's the anti-aging booster, and there's the body and brain booster, which, okay, what does that mean? And they all come in, like, a very colorful, very, like, flashy aesthetic packaging. And the site has all these testimonial pictures that range from people going from, like, having acne to having less acne to, like, people's eye puffiness and skin brightness apparently changing. There's one that's just, like, a girl in the first photo. She's a brunette, and in the second photo, she's blonde. I love when my vitamins (laughs) do that for me. Does this awaken a bit of skepticism in you? Oh my god, it really does. And let me tell you, I used to work for a gourmet kind of candy company. I love that all these episodes are all of Hannah's odd jobs that are relevant to the content. Variety of minimum wage jobs. Yeah, I worked at this candy company and we sold gummy vitamins. And thankfully they like weren't that popular but every once in a while people would come in and like ask us questions about it and me a part-time university student customer service person was expected to like give somebody who's looking for actual health advice answers about these gummies that are 5,000 percent a placebo for the most part or like even if they have vitamin or whatever in them is like probably not the place you should be going for those vitamins yeah i'm a consumer of some vitamins like i take some supplements and usually i'll make sure that the company is like extremely verified in what they're doing and like i'm looking at the ingredients but these kind of like hyper aesthetic like beauty oriented vitamins to me that are all about like they're basically promising that your actual full appearance is going to change instead of like the fact that a lot of people's DNA is different and it, it, that's not what happens. It to me is just so insidious. And the way they sell it, instead of being like, this is vitamin D or this is vitamin whatever, it's this is for hair, this is for skin. And it's like, can we stop selling the end result rather than just the product itself? I think that's what people appreciate so much about the abnormal beauty company or like the ordinary is that none of their products purport to do anything they just give you the scientific information about it and then they'll explain to you what that's supposed to do for you and i think that's why people like them so much Mm -hmm. because it's so transparent it's just like those workout videos on youtube that are like hourglass workout and it's like you're promoting one unhealthy standard of beauty and then two not fucking true to zone in on one thing and if you're not getting that one thing from this product then it doesn't work and it's like well I assure you, not everyone is going to have shinier hair because they ate apple cider, vinegar, gummy, supplement bullshit. I just think it's important to have a level of skepticism. Yeah. But none of this matters to Tati. What does matter to Tati will become abundantly clear pretty soon. So 
Tati sees James's story and then makes a very cryptic story of her own where she's like crying and speaking very vaguely about betrayal, but she never names who she's talking about, though it's obviously James. I don't know. I think this is kind of the story equivalent to a subtweet. <laughs> so then a few weeks later, Gabriel Zamora of Dramageddon 1 fame steps back into the ring for another round when he calls Tati out in one of his videos and basically is like, can you elaborate? And this is when the other shoe drops. On May 10th, Tati uploads a 43-minute-long video to YouTube titled, Bye, Bye sister. sister. You've seen the video, Hannah. Do you want to set the mood for us? Like, what's the overall atmosphere of this video? It's this lady sitting in front of the camera, just, like, looking directly at it. It's almost like she's addressing James Charles without Yeah, she kind of there. says, like, she, she'll actually directly address him sometimes. Yeah, in this way. And it's intense. Like, there's just something. Yeah. It's intense, but also there's nothing flashy going on. And it's 43 minutes, yeah, of her just like, airing out shit. Yeah, it's like a talking head video. Yeah. I would say, again, yeah, it's extremely serious. Like, these people talk like they're at a fucking congressional hearing or, like, a, a testifying at a criminal trial. It's so... So serious in tone. Just this very, like, litigious vibe. Yeah, it's just, like, this put-on seriousness, yeah. really. And also, I would say, like, these kinds of videos probably get the same response from us that a true crime video would. Exactly. And yeah. that's I think that's a lot of what it is. Like, it's a lot of armchair investigating. But instead of an armchair investigating into, like murders were armchair investigating into the private lives of people who put makeup on their face for a living. Which, honestly, is better than the first. It is, it is. I mean, on a much wider scale, better than the first. Individually, not great either way. Like No. So in the video, she does a very like long preamble about how much she loved James and how much she's done for him. She like includes all the times that she supported him in her videos, and she includes clips of the two of them together, him in her videos, him at her wedding. Uh, she tells us that she paid for his flight and stay, which I just think is kind of tacky to be like, and also I paid for this. Wait for Chekoshala? To go oh. to her wedding. Why did he need her to do that? He, he was very young. Like, he didn't have enough money. Oh. That when she met him, he didn't have a lot of money. So it's like she was kind of like so flying him out. Why? But why do you need to tell everyone? Like, I don't know. Why does this child even on the internet need to be flown out to your wedding? Like, is he that essential? I just don't get it. He's her son, Hannah. Oh. She also includes a clip of the Halo speech. Mm. She characterizes James as young, but very ambitious and very capable of manipulating the people around him even back when they first met, when he was 17. At one point, she says she's always written off his behavior to youth, but expected that one day he'd grow up. And then she's like, but he never did. Which, what do you think about that? Because he's 19 here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, God. The, di the difference between 17 and 19 isn't that major. And also, 19-year-olds are not really adults. They don't have it together in that way and why are you waiting around for this child to mature like it's just so weird to be like he's not your son yeah you're not really peers you have 20 years life experience over him like why are you asking him to meet you at your level in yeah. any way it's so weird that's such a good point she goes into the vitamin stuff and why she feels betrayed basically after she had posted that very cryptic story, James publicly apologized to her on Instagram and clarified that the reason he did the sponsorship was because he was being swarmed in the VIP section at Coachella. And so he did a deal with Sugar Bear Hair in exchange for an artist pass, which would get him into a quieter section. Tati basically casts doubt on this in her video and says that she thinks that he's lying because she's like, what brand has a bunch of artist passes just lying around? She's basically just like, you should have just left Coachella if you felt unsafe instead of working with a rival. But she makes it clear in the video that this is not about vitamins. This is about James's behavior. <laughs> and that's when we get into the behavior in question. Yeah. So Tati reveals that James has a thing for going after, quote, straight men. And she launches into the story where James and Jeffrey and other people went to visit her for her birthday and at a dinner with her parents, she says that James was loudly proclaiming the things that he would like to do to the waiter. And she's like, but James, he's straight. Oh. I don't know how she knows this. I don't know how she knows that the waiter is straight. Will somebody think of the straight men? <laughs> and apparently, like, in response to her saying that, he allegedly goes, I don't care. I'm a celebrity. 
19. Tati then goes on about how this disgusted her and says, because this behavior is not normal, it's not okay, cracking someone's sexuality is not an escape room. This is shit that will follow them for the rest of their lives. Are you getting whiffs of the old uh, H-phobia here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Some I, good old-fashioned homophobia? I think I can smell it. Through most of the video, she kind of characterizes herself as powerless next to James. At the end, she's like, you don't get to the success that someone like James Charles has without being able to work someone. Which is just funny because this lady has millions of subscribers on the exact same platform. And basically she ends the video with being like, I'm done with James. I can't help him anymore. And goes verbatim, he's 19 and I'm afraid of him. What are your thoughts on all of this? I too am afraid of 19 year olds because they make me feel old. Yeah, they confront me with my mortality in a way that is extremely discomforting. But it sounds like this woman is mad that someone younger than her has become more successful than her in a shorter period of time because honestly just of the ages that they probably came up in and also partly due to her help like she helped boost his channel and so it's like you're also participated in this she's mentored him and now he's eclipsed her and that she's mad about that and so the vitamin business of it all is is so silly because if you're working in the business you know you can't take things so personally like, why does he owe it to you to only work with this brand that you have a relationship with? It's not like he's under contract with Tati, yeah. No, of course not. And ultimately, they're vitamin brands. They'll be fine. Or even will they? They're stupid. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't make a gummy hair vitamin brand. But also, if you are hanging out with a 19-year-old boy and you're like, why is he being like this why is he so immature why is he being so vocally horny it's like maybe you should take a look at yourself and wonder why you're hanging out with a 19 year old boy i would never want to hang out with a 19 year old boy hormones are raging like i don't know raging i don't know what we'd have in common like (laughs) what even if you want to be have a relationship with him in a professional sense like i don't know i don't want to go to dinner with somebody who like can't even legally drink in america i'm 26 and i can barely be around people who are like 22 yeah it's like (laughs) and this was what we took away a lot from it at the time because at the time i watched this i think i was like 21 so i wasn't looking at it back at the perspective of his youth but at the time the main thing that i took away was the homophobia and the just sheer discomfort she has with him expressing his sexuality this really like don't be so showy with it james why are you putting it all on display like you can do what you want and you can be gay if you want but i don't want to have to see that and just equating like simple desire for another man with being predatory yes which the fans on that will be very much flamed right so At first, James was super apologetic. He apparently tried to call both Tati and her husband many, many times before this video went up. He did that Instagram story where he was apologizing, and then he also uploaded an eight-minute video to YouTube taking accountability and saying sorry to Tati and her husband for the sugar bear post. I saw that video when the day it came out, because I'm (laughs) a fucking loser. And all the comments were just like, fuck you, James Charles, like, go die, basically. In that video, he's like, no matter what happened, I hurt two very, very important people. They've been really, really loyal to me, and I betrayed that. It sucks, and I wish that more than anything, I could take it back. But shit keeps going. You know Zara Larson? Um, yes. She's like, is she like Swedish or something? I guess. She's like a blonde pop singer that people t- mention her, but I don't know a single thing she's done. I'm convinced she's an industry plan because I'm literally like, who the fuck are you? Like, I, I know her name and that's it. And to me, that's like the hallmark of an industry plan. I just, <laughs> who are you? Like, what music do you make? Do people listen to your music? Do people listen to Zara Larson? Um, tell us in the comments. Yeah. We'll, we'll open up a, Q, a Q&A for you guys. Chime in. Zara Larson tweets a clip from Tati's video with the caption, I'm cackling because he hit up my boyfriend in the DM several times, knowing damn well he's straight. I just love this insistence on straightness. Like you're saying, it's not like the hitting on someone is the problem. Like if a woman was doing this, it probably wouldn't be an issue. Like if they were at Tati's dinner and one of her female friends was hitting on the waiter, I don't think it would be an issue. It's that James is gay and apparently the men he hits on are straight. Like that's what they keep honing in on. It's the straightness aspect. 
Which, yeah, again, is so old school homophobia, like just characterizing gay men as predators for expressing romantic or sexual interest in people. I just think it also just showcases the inherent discomfort with it. Like, like oh no, your husband or your boyfriend was the subject of his uh, advances. You expressed attraction to them. Like, all they have to say is, no thanks and move on and yeah. i think it's also this thing with straight men that they have no idea what it feels like to have people pursue you the way that they pursue people right like straight men will slide into your dms they'll say shit to you they'll be really forward with you and they cannot deal with it when it's reverse reverse especially if it's coming from another man like they're just so deeply uncomfortable with being subjected to the way that women often are yeah being under the gaze of of women or, or men. Or men, yeah. Especially other men, yeah. Then Jeffree Star, in classic demon manner, responds to this tweet from James's little teenage brother, Ian. Ian had tweeted out something being like, why does everyone act so tough over the internet? Which had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it was something to do with some drama that was happening at his high school. Yeah, he's a teenager. Jeffrey, a 33-year-old man, and thinking that this is about the James situation, claps back, why is your brother a predator? Why do you really move back to New York City? Exactly. Shut the fuck up. Wait, is this after it's known that he has all these allegations against him? Oh, yeah. People have known this for, like, since <laughs> okay. Dramageddon 1. He's also been super loud on Twitter at this time and saying really inflammatory and, like, ominous shit about how James is, like, a danger to society and how Jeffrey's partner banned James from their house. Tati exacerbates things with another video called Why I Did It where she justifies revealing all that private information about James because she wanted to, quote, wake him up and, quote, reach someone who was unreachable. Oh, my God. And you decided to do it in public. Yeah, of course. Because you had his best interests at heart. She's apparently mommy. I love when my mom films YouTube call-out videos for me when <laughs> she's trying to, like, teach me My mom's lesson. like, my daughter's a predator. <laughs> Speaking my truth, my daughter didn't call me this week. <laughs> Then, on May 18th, James drops a big old bomb. He uploads this 42-minute video called No More Lies and essentially shows receipts, which is something that Tati's video is woefully lacking. Oh, you have to bring receipts. Yeah, and basically he, in those receipts, he's refuting every claim that she and Jeffrey have made about him. He says that the past week has been the darkest the internet has ever seen. And is he wrong? <laughs> it's funny. But he also says that it's been the darkest of his life as well. Which is fair. In this video, he explains that he genuinely felt unsafe at Coachella and reached out to Nikita Dragon to see if she could get a hookup for an artist pass, which came through Sugar Bear Hair. He says that it was like a super fast exchange. He shows the messages with himself and the brand to prove this. And he also refutes Tati's insinuation that James never returns her support with a very, very long montage of all the times he's promoted her products and business ventures on his channel and give a thanks to her and her husband publicly. Then he goes into the predator allegations and he starts this by admitting to the world that he's a 19 year old virgin. What do you think of that? He shouldn't have ever had to share that information about his private life to anybody again he's 19 it makes me sad it just makes me sad i think he's a beauty guru he's a youtube content creator and he focuses on one very specific subject matter and the fact that he has to share something so private and something like it's like vulnerable to talk about and i don't know it makes me sad and it makes me really sad because it was a bunch of grown adults that like pulled it out of him yeah i just feel like a lot of these situations going back to season one the public villain season people just get backed into corners where they're forced to like Lindsay ellis said it in her video like forced to kind of slit your wrist for the public yeah and she like in her video was backed into a corner and had to really air out this sexual assault that happened to her to explain one of the cancellations that had happened against her and it's like this is a similar situation. Yeah, or, like, when people are constantly having to, like, come out because of some shit that people are, like, you know... Accusations the... of queer baiting. Yeah, all of that. He says that in communications with the waiter, whose name is Sam, he asked Sam about his sexuality, and Sam said that he was bought. He shows the receipts of this conversation. Sam also made a video shortly before this to, I guess, jump on his 15 minutes of fame and, like, talks about his time with James, where in the video he also illegally records a FaceTime call with James in it, which he lured James into doing because he sent James a message saying, I've realized I'm fully gay. 
Uh, so James, like, called him to talk about it. And then in the call, Sam's like, JK, I'm not gay. Uh, and Sam, like, records that entire call. Ew. And puts it in the video. Yeah. And although Sam doesn't paint James in a good light, he inadvertently in this video reveals that all of their interactions were fully consensual. James says that Sam was hesitant, but he went to James's hotel and the two of them made out based on their own comfort levels. Sam also says in his video that James was the worst kisser ever, which just fucking gross. Like, yeah, like, fuck off. James has to address this to millions of people, and he's basically just like, okay, noted. And you can just see how hurt and embarrassed he is. And then basically he has to go into this whole conversation about being a gay man who never got to experience or date where he had come from. And so he's very new to it. And having lots of people watching you learn can be really tricky. He's very candid about how it's hard to be gay and be mostly attracted to men who seem straight. Like he's into guys, guys, Mm -hmm. and that's really hard. And then he cites this Jeffree Star video where Jeffree literally says the exact same thing, explaining how being femme is hard because a lot of, quote, straight men are into femme men, but don't want to be public about it. Right. And James, in his video, draws parallels between himself DMing and being forward with men and Zara Larson literally meeting the boyfriend in question by posting a photo of him, I guess he's like a model or something, to Twitter and saying, who are you? In all caps. That's how they met. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> just a double standard. Of course. And so more or less, James just destroys like all his enemies in this video. He expresses her that Tati would question his mother's parenting, which is something that she does in the video. She's basically like, you need to get your son in check. The fuck? I thought yeah. he was your son, bitch. Get your son in check. Yeah. A lot of this is like you, you're so shocked at his entitlement. And it's like, okay, one, you contributed to his escalation of fame. And two, aren't you his mentor? Yeah, like, if you were a true mentor, wouldn't this, if you felt like he was out of control, wouldn't you want to sit him down and, like, just, you know? And it sounds like, based on their both of their testimonies, like, that never happened. Of course. Also in the video, he questions why Jeffrey, of all people, would be inclined to spread so many lies about him. And this is something that he would later find out. But overall, it seems like the situation very obviously impacted James. He says that he considered taking his own life, which I don't doubt. Yeah. And says it's basically just a very unnatural situation to endure that much venom from millions of people. Like, no one should have to endure that. I also just think, yeah, so much of it is kind of being wrapped up with his sexuality and his identity. It's, like, probably eliciting a lot of shame from that with something that's, like, already hard for people to overcome shame about. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think it's, like, it just re-traumatizing someone. And it just feels like, oh, we gave this gay boy too much attention. We made him the face of cover girl, and we don't want him anymore. Like, we don't like that. He's too gay. Like, get him out of our faces, basically. Yeah, I think he, like, makes people uncomfortable. Well, say, like, people roasting the assless chaps photo. It's like, if a woman wore that, you wouldn't give a singular fuck. It's just that he's a gay man. What did you make of the James video when you saw it? Like, this is just something that really turns the tides on Tati and Jeffrey. And yeah. I'm curious what it is about that video that just struck people as, like, more sincere, or, like, real or valid than the classic YouTuber apology video. Well, he had receipts. That's a big thing. Like, if you're going to get involved in drama, this girl has been on the internet for a thousand years. You'd think she'd learn to, like, take a screenshot of something or to back it up or not make claims that can be easily disputed. It's much more vulnerable. One, she's starting it out being like, vitamins you've betrayed me and he's like look this is my actual situation like probably speaking more candidly actually sharing more unfortunately sometimes to have a powerful apology you do have to do that thing that we mentioned which is share something about yourself to prove that you're a trustable resource because it's like why would you share this unless you wanted us to know that you're truthful I also would assume that ultimately James Charles has a more loyal fan base than this lady, maybe? Mm, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Really? We'll get to that. Okay. I think the receipts is definitely, like, the main thing. Everything you're saying is right as well. But the receipts really go to show that it's not really an apology video. It's an actual Speaking My Truth video. Yeah. Jeffrey uploads his own video the next day, which is pretty short in comparison, and apparently like takes accountability for acting brashly and says that he regrets sending out those incendiary tweets i watched it and i was like i just don't believe anything that comes out of your mouth no of course not he also doesn't provide any proof of the allegations he has no receipts either 
going back to this question, like, why would Tati and Jeffrey not think that James would retaliate? Like, they had no proof to back up their claims, and surely they'd know that James would? Like, do you think it's his age that made them think? I I think it's their ages, and I'm sorry to play the age card, but I do think that James is much more internet savvy, much more on it, I think. And obviously these people know receipts and they know how to like bring up dirt, but I, I think that he would just be more tuned in to that than they would. And maybe that they thought that themselves as figures, their conviction and their integrity or whatever was enough. Ego. It's ego. I think, yeah, a lot of it's power too and a lack of savviness. So during all this like drama get into affair... There was a big material impact. Tati gained over 4 million subscribers during this time, and James lost around 3 million. Wow. So, let's jump to a year later. It's 2020. We're in full-blown pandemic mode. And it's time for Dramageddon 3. <laughs> On June 30th, 2020, Tati posts a 40-minute video and does a full 180 switch. I laughed throughout the entirety of this video. There's just so much theatrics. It just feels like this lady is so deeply out of touch with reality. Like, she just really comes off as someone who you could buy would be compelled to make that video. This video is uploaded during the height of the pandemic. And she's like, there's so much going on in the world and in this community. And it's like, should this not have given you a bit of perspective that this issue isn't so stupid? Yeah, like so irrelevant. Also, there's something about... Her delivery that just reminds me of like those TikToks where it's like TikTok acting versus real acting and it's people like crying at the screen and it's like very deeply uncomfortable. I just she cries oh, throughout the whole video. I don't like being looked at like that from someone <laughs> on the screen. It's also just very glazed over. Like I think it has some sort of filter. It's Probably. made with this really high def camera. Yeah, it's weird. So she starts off by asking people to cover this video in prayers because there's so much healing that needs to be done. She's very religious. Actually, I was thinking we could ask people to cover this episode in prayers. Oh, just for fun? Just for fun. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done. (laughs) And basically, she explains that she had concerns about James's growing sense of entitlement and felt that it was compromising, quote, his safety. But said that these concerns weren't fully realized until she met none other than Shane Dawson. (laughs) She says that around that time, she had recently met Shane. She's very quick to say she didn't know anything about his older content. And she says that she was spending time with him and Jeffrey while the two of them were filming Jeffrey's docuseries and getting ready to release their makeup palette conspiracy. And she says that the two of them started to talk more and more about James around this time as being bad for the beauty community. She's like, quote, the information they were giving me was terrifying. And then she addresses James. I was trying to get you to put your phone down. I was told there were a lot of victims who were going to come forward to destroy you. Do you think that she was effective in getting him to put his phone down? No, 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 no. I would say she didn't do a great job. Strange tactic. Yeah. In this video, Tati really paints herself as a compulsive altruist. Like, someone who just can't help but spend time with bad people and try to, like, better them. It's probably because she's an empath. She's an empath. She talks a lot about her twisted sense of civic duty. <laughs> um, it's just, great that she uses she those words. She says that, yeah. Twisted sense of civic duty. I love it. And it's just, like, it's just so rich coming from a person. This person's basically being like, I'm just such a good person to a fault. And this woman literally exposed private information and, like, career-obliterating allegations about a 19-year-old to her millions of followers, but yeah, like true, true. Because for sure. it was her civic duty. She had to <laughs> save us because what if my sponsorship with a gummy vitamin company gets jeopardized because James Charles wants to go to Coachella again? She owes the public a favor because they need those vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> People have limp hair everywhere and she's trying to save them. Yes. One vitamin at a time. Someone has to do the Lord's work. <laughs> and then basically she reveals that there was a bit of a conspiracy against James going on. She says that editorial outlets were hinting at a video from Tati dropping before she ever even decided to make a video, which suggests someone was tipping off the media. She says she expressed concern that James would hurt himself, and Shane told her that James was too much of a narcissist to do so. And basically, she tells us that this was all like an orchestrated takedown on the part of Jeffrey and Shane. 
She says that she thinks that they were jealous and that they wanted James out of the way before the docuseries and the release of the conspiracy palette. And that Jeffrey was a co-owner of Morphe and James was set to release a line with them, which I guess was threatening Jeffrey's own financial viability. Do you believe this? I just think, you know, what was the most revealing in this moment was that as much as these people talk and chatter and like build followings off of their friendships really all this comes down to and that's something we kind of discussed earlier is money and numbers if it's a real i think the strategy is stupid because what all you're doing is putting more attention on james charles and taking attention away from yourselves and but they gained subscribers and he lost them by the millions true i'm also like i'm sorry lady you you were getting manipulated by these other people like come on you're 37 years old and you're like I was bullied into it by these makeup gurus. In terms of the money question, this is like a time when conspicuous consumption on YouTube was really at its peak. Logomania. Yeah, and like the beauty community was known for these like makeup hauls and these clean out videos and makeup closet tour videos where they'd like pile like hundreds of products onto the floor to show their audiences how much product they had bought. Like Laura Lee has this video where she's literally sitting on like a mountain of makeup. Shane has this whole series, like, jerking off to people's mansions and all their, whatever, designer goods. Jake Paul's making all these music videos showing off his numerous luxury sports cars. Lil Tay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I just feel like this is when the influencer era was really at its peak. And, you know, these people's entire job is to just push product. And this entire feud started with a sponsored post. Like, I just don't think that it should be shocking that Jeffrey and Shane would do this. Because at the end of the day, like... All of them are sitting on their own little empires. And, oh, of course. Yeah, and they're friends because it's lucrative, and then they're not friends when it's no longer lucrative. No, it is business. It's all business. There's only so many ways you can differentiate yourself from other people who do beauty YouTube. Like, you know what I mean? There's a limit to what you're able to make out of content. And these people are all old and in their 30s, <laughs> and they need to stay relevant. Exactly. And, you know? So... Tati takes zero accountability in this video. Most of it, she just spends, like, wallowing about how hard her life has been. She places (laughs) the entirety, the entirety of the blame on Shane and Jeffrey manipulating her. And she's like, I was afraid for my life. And, like, talks about how her mind and body deteriorated. Which, like, I'm sure she was getting a bunch of hate. But it's like, girl, you literally started this. Do you buy that Tati was fully ignorant to the conspiracy? No, not really. Because she's a savvy woman too she started this youtube channel like she was on beauty youtube before anyone else was like she knows what she's doing a little bit and i think it's calculated to like create this weird friendship mentorship with an up-and-coming person like james back when he was younger because again i don't know why you would be wanting to hang out with him otherwise oh yeah that was definitely beneficial for her as well it's not like he was just benefiting off their relationship by the time he got famous like she was really benefiting like she's not the face of cover girl also jeffrey star already had that reputation so much so that i was aware that he was controversial and I'm ignorant and don't know anything. (laughs) I just think it's such a cop-out to be like, oh, I'm just a little girl and I did not know anything. I'm sorry, like these two people who are known for being morally dubious, or no, Jeffree Star especially known for being morally dubious and deceitful and duplicitous. You're gonna have him tell you that this 17-year-old is like a mastermind manipulator, mass harvey weinstein style sexual predator and you're gonna be like yeah yeah true and instead of talking to james about it that's just the thing instead of talking to james about it and her ignoring all of his calls before the video went up really makes me think that she obviously fucking knew oh yeah also that part the fact that you were like this person that i think of as a son is out of control so the only thing that i can do is call him out on the most public platform i can instead of trying to sit him down and like if you thought his behavior was out of control you could have tried to intervene you could have done something you know or like oh warn him that maybe there's something that's going to come out against him instead of you taking the initiative to go do it yourself like it's crazy yeah it's like not only are you trying to distance yourself from him publicly but you're just actually shoving him off the The cliff cliff. exactly pushing him down the stairs even nomi malone style yeah There was a lot of fallout for this. 
Tati's videos went from averaging around a million per video to now around 200,000. <laughs> Jeffrey never uploads anymore. His last video was nine months ago, which is just a big jump since he used to post pretty regularly. But no one else got dunked as hard as Shane Dawson did. Oh, was this the catalyst for it? Yes. That would probably require its own episode. It definitely would require its own episode, which I just don't have the energy to do. But basically, Shane posted a really ill-thought-out Instagram live reacting to Tati's follow-up video, where he was, like, screaming at his TV, which is just not... That's not the persona he was letting out. And, like, calling Tati manipulative and saying that her tears were fake. And then, basically, this led to people bringing up a lot of his past wrongdoings, because, you know, as we do, which... To be honest, is pretty endless, and I just I literally can't get into it here. One of these people was Jada Pinkett Smith, who brought up a video of Shane pretending to masturbate to a picture of an eleven-year-old Willow Smith. Oh my god! Okay. Oh yeah, there's a lot of pedophile jokes in this video. Is that kind of j- just crossed a line? This is something I actually did hear about yeah. on TikTok in like 2020. Somehow I was hearing about this stuff even though I didn't know yeah. who he was really before this. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of strange representation of minors in his videos. There's a lot of discussion about the racist content he was making back in the day. He lost a million subscribers in the matter of a couple weeks and his makeup lines were dropped from stores. Wow. And overall he just had a very steep fall from grace in the public eye. Like one of the steepest falls from grace I've ever seen. Although I did check, and he's still posting regularly. He recently posted a video called The Cancelled World of Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson. I was like, I'm not fucking reading all that. I also hate these video titles. They're so grammatically infuriating. (laughs) And that video yielded over a million views and has a pretty positive comment section. I don't know. Their followers are fucking insane. Like, I just think some people, again, going back to our Trisha Paytas bonus episode, which you guys should definitely listen to, some people are just uncancelable. Like, if you just keep layering the wrongdoings, or even the Kim Kardashian episode, if you keep layering all the misdoings, you just forget about it after a while. Yeah, for sure. Ultimately, though, I think the major, like, paradigm shift here was a total collapse of audience trust in influencers and influencer culture. Would you say that checks out? Yeah, I mean, it's also aligning, especially the stuff in 2020, it's really aligning with this shift in our relationship to influencers and what we want from them, specifically influencers in like the fashion and beauty world. I think the pandemic, we've talked about it before, but I think it raised a level of like class consciousness. Like Like Gal Gadot Imagine video really turned the tides on celebrities. Exactly. Like we just became generally more dubious about the mega wealthy about famous people but then especially famous people who are trying to sell us stuff like think about that Shein influencer tour that happened and this girl who's like a confidence influencer who went on and people have been roasting her ever since but honestly if that happened in like 2017 I don't think we would have heard even a fraction of the outrage. Well, I think we became a lot more politicized in 2020 overall, beyond the class consciousness, like just in general, a lot more politicized and politically engaged, sometimes in ways that were harmful and sometimes in ways that actually, yeah, made people more aware. Yeah, I I think this was like a watershed moment for the beauty guru era. Like, I think these people were power holders, but we didn't really realize how much power they had. And I feel like this was kind of a brief time where they were really known to the public as, like, mainstream celebrities. Yeah. Like, the Michelle Fawn era. Michelle Fawn did become extremely famous, but these people are figures. And on top of the Dramageddon's, there were all these issues with, like, influencer transparency, like you're saying, around this time. Like, Jaclyn Hill is this other really massive beauty guru who released this lipstick line that came under a bunch of scrutiny because people were finding, like, hair and plastic and, like, metal fragments in their lipstick. Dude, I bought a... I've never seen her videos, but a Huda Beauty palette because I liked the colors. And on a sticker on the back, it says it should not be put on your eyes. What? Yes, I can show you it later. (gasps) Like my friend showed it to me because it was literally staining people's eyes, like the pigment. And it's insane. I'm like, how did you even manage to sell this in stores? It's almost like fast makeup. Like it's like the the advent of fast makeup, which again, with this conspicuous consumption era, it's like people just churning out shit for money. I just think people were just getting fed up with being treated like consumers rather than fans. Like, you know, and, you know, this was all over mainstream news outlets as if it was like this huge major political event. People were starting to realize how much financial and by way of that social currency these people had. Do you think some of this fallout was people deciding that 
these people just didn't deserve to be as powerful as they were. People were like, you gotta... I think a little bit. I think even if you think about the trend right now of de-influencing, I think the influencer market became so oversaturated at that time. And even though these people were like standouts, they were especially famous, especially successful. I think we all just kind of were like, that's enough. We got sick of it. And 2019, 2020 is when the ordinary, like the Abnormal Beauty Company and Glossier both got really big. Yes, exactly. And the aesthetic of the makeup that these people were showing in their videos went out of fashion. Well, yeah, this was a time when makeup was extremely heavy. There was a lot of emphasis on using tons of foundation, like pouring it onto your face. Contour the eyebrows. It was very like drag inspired makeup, though I don't think anyone ever actually gave homage or credence to the fact that it was drag inspired and like drag makeup tends to be extremely heavy extremely theatrical but these people are selling these makeup looks to people as if this is something they should go wear in their daily life and also it just really raised questions about the feasibility of influencer brand deals like morphe really took a hit from all of this they're still around but it's like they placed their entire business model on influencer brand Mm -hmm. deals like that was the whole thing instead of kind of setting up a legacy for themselves on their own so it's like if the influencers you're working with fall out of public favor what happens to your brand right i think also tiktok coming up in these more like mood board oriented platforms also started changing things like people almost don't want tutorials anymore because of glossier and this more naturalistic makeup look well it's also it's actually easier and cheaper to do makeup nowadays where there's fewer products there's fewer skill required like every time i try to wear a lot of makeup i don't feel nice about myself no i've honestly never worn a lot of makeup i just don't like i'm not good at it and i don't like how i look with it and i also think this whole rise of skincare and skincare culture also impacted it because like makeup's not good for your skin skincare as makeup yeah after all of this in 2021 when james was 21 he was accused of grooming by a 16 year old boy on tiktok who alleged that james had sent him nudes and pressured him into sexting knowing that he was underage james maintained that the boy had claimed to be 18 but then other underage boys also came forward saying that james had groomed them Since then, a lot of people have basically been like, oh, Tati was right. And this groomer label has more or less completely clouded James's entire public presence. Mm -hmm. Since then, one of the accusers did admit to lying to James about his age and had told him that he was 18. Putting this into conversation with our episode about groomers, what do you think of all of this? Do you think any of this discounts or absolves Tati and what she said about James? No, I think these are not the same things. I think it's like actually quite dangerous to conflate what his current behaviors may be with what he was accused of back in 2019. Because back in 2019, it was just that he expressed interest to a guy who might have been straight. Yeah, like the the allegations were just homophobic and they were also wrong. Yeah. They were false allegations. I mean, again, it's like people are kind of showing their asses a little bit by equating those two things because expressing interest in someone who if he knew they were younger like you know is under 18 then that is bad but that has nothing to do with him being gay yeah you know what i mean like and the stuff with tati felt very much rooted in discomfort with him being gay exactly so no like one thing doesn't cancel out the other no at the time that tati was accusing james of that stuff originally like he really wasn't in a position to be grooming a 16-year-old. He was, like, he their was age. Underage. And this kind of goes back to the grooming episode. James is 21 when this comes out. Yeah. Legally, that's an adult in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Officially, that is the minimum age you are to be an adult. It's gross when someone's 21 and is talking to a 17-year-old. That's not okay. It happens all the fucking time. It's not okay. It happens it's um, icky. It, between men and women in heterosexual relationships in Hollywood all the time. And age at that age, every age is miles apart from the age before it. Like, there's a lot of growth that happens between 17 and 21. There's yeah. also a lot of growth that happens between 21 and 25. Like, you are still extremely young and idiotic at 21. I just feel like we love to make people out in their early 20s to be like babies who don't know anything when it serves us. But then we also love to age them up and turn them into, like, evil masterminds in the way that I think James has been aged up in this entire situation. People talk about him like he's, like, a hardened criminal. And yes, I agree it's fucking bad to talk to 
17 year old no i get what you're saying i'm thinking like right now while we're recording there's news that joe jonas and sophie turner are getting divorced and his team is like she parties too much whatever and everyone's and i i was thinking the same thing everyone's like well you married a 23 year old when you were 30 like did you expect her to be ready to be as mature as you were but the discourse about it is crossing into like sophie turner was a little girl who didn't know any better when she decided to get married to her boyfriend and have a family with him where I also don't think that is true, but Sophie Turner at 23 is two years older than a 21-year-old James Charles. I just think we need to figure out how we talk about people in their early 20s. We haven't figured it out. Like, either they're little, tiny, innocent children, like, we literally call them children sometimes, or we're like, you're 20 and you know everything about life and you are making these mistakes intentionally. And it's I don't know. I just feel very complicated about it. I'm not trying to absolve anything that James did. Like, that's not the intention. It's I just think much of the way that we've thrown him out is because we fucking hate him and we don't like him because he's gay like i just think that the standards are different for him oh i think people just generally don't like him fucking jerry seinfeld dated a 17 year old when he was a very grown man to be fair that was the 90s <laughs> like yeah, that was, was when that was, was like the 90s, celebrated but it's also common knowledge now but we like seinfeld like yeah. We're able to look past things that are more ethically ambiguous when we like the person. Mm, ethically and, reprehensible, I would and, say. <laughs> well, in his case, yes. In his case, yeah. Whereas people don't like James Charles outside of all of that. They also, don't... that's not grooming. I hope everyone listened to the groomers episode. That's not what the definition of grooming is. Please stop misusing that word. <laughs> it does damage to victims of grooming. Yeah. To end off, I just want to think about the beauty guru as a figure. What do you think it is about beauty gurus that makes them so inclined towards drama? They probably run out of things to talk about very quickly. Yeah, I, I think like to me, there's like two prongs to it. I feel like in one case, this isn't really a typical case of being co-workers. Like this platform and this like beauty niche is an inherently competitive environment. Like we've said, you're all financial competitors. And then add that to a group of people who are known for being big personalities and kind of like snarky. And the situation becomes super political when it actually isn't. I also just feel like, like you're saying, there's kind of a limit to the videos. It started being from Michelle Fawn making makeup tutorials to like, how many fucking makeup tutorials can you do? And because the makeup looks aren't wearable, people aren't watching these as tutorials. They're watching them as like content. Like for the personality. For the personality. And so it's like, yeah, there's, there's a limit to what you're going to do. And then it's going to end up escalating. And the nature of YouTube has just changed. Like you can now be very famous and successful by being someone who just talks about your life to the camera and like tell stories and stuff so i would understand why if all you're doing is makeup and you want to like build your brand you get involved in that kind of thing as well when i think about like the tana mojos of the world she's not a makeup guru but it's like what does she have going on of course she's getting into fights there's only so much that girl can do with her day yeah you know there's not I mean? there's only so much and you're I'm, up to obviously being a beauty influencer can be time consuming there is work to it but it's like You've got nothing better to do. Yeah, may as well stir up some shit. We should start our own Dramageddon. Yeah, with a bunch of other nice podcasters. Binge-topia, we're coming for you. <laughs> Rehash is hosted by Hannah Rain and me, Maia. It's produced and edited by me, and the intro and outro song is produced by our talented friend, Ian Mills. Thanks for listening. 